What's up, folks? Welcome to another week. The Live Life Dressing Show. I'm Sir Hogan. And that's me. Got Mike Mall on the other side. What's going on, dude? I'm doing good, man. As usual, we have an awesome guest where we're talking to the individual for an hour and a half before we even start recording. We're having <laughs> right. a good, fun conversation. That's when you know you have a good guest. When you have a guest come on and it's really awkward <laughs> and, you're, and the, the words are not flowing, you're like, okay, uh, I guess we better start recording now. <laughs> I always know because Mike is like, hey, so sincere, you ready to get started? <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, like one no, minute after the first thought. Let's go ahead and start recording. Yeah, we- no, it won't take that long. It'll be about an hour. We're going to go ahead and, you know, we'll start recording now. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm glad you're feeling the same way I'm feeling. This guest is not really working out. Well, it reminds <laughs> but, me when we had the guys from Backwards on. And they're cool guys, and I love their music. But we don't, we've never met these people, so we've never had any interaction with them. So it's kind of that first date experience when, you, when you're talking right. to them for the first time. And I tried to break the ice by making a joke using some of the lyrics from one of their songs. <laughs> And it total bomb. You know, nobody's laughing. You gave me a courtesy laugh. They're not laughing at all. I was like, oh, great. Now it's just awkward. <laughs> you know? I was hoping I'd get a chuckle out of these guys so they realized, okay, this is going to be cool. Because when we had Matt Brown on, same thing. We've never met him before. Right. And I knew Matt Brown would like our style. So I wanted to make some jokes with you that he could hear. And then that way he would get more comfortable. And he told me that helped right. because he said afterwards, yeah. Like when I heard, he's like, when I heard you guys talking to each other, I was like, okay, cool. You know, I like these guys. This is going to be fun. And that's what we try to do is have, have an interaction between you and me if it's the first time the guest has ever been on. And that way they get comfortable. But most of the time we have a really good experience. Every once in a while, it's, it's a little bit awkward, especially when the person. Yeah, our is average is pretty good. good. Yeah, we're, pretty, we're good. pretty good. We're like at 99% at this point. And that 1%. Yeah, it's pretty good. Never heard that interview. If that of that one percent, those usually got canned. <laughs> just to be honest with you. Well, I mean, like, even the backwards episode was really good. You know, once we well, that was a really going, good episode. Really yeah. Good. yeah, yeah. And you had a lot to say on the topics, and all of us had a lot to say. So that was a good episode. Exactly. So yeah, if you missed that one, go back and check that one out too, folks. That was probably actually the one right before this one that we're recording today. Yeah, I think it was no the last two two episodes two episodes because the last one was Sean Phillips and right before right Sean right Phillips Sean Phillips. Oh, yeah. So yeah, Sean's another there. guy where we were talking to him for about an hour before he came on. He's been on the show before, but even even the first time we had him on, we had a lot in common, so we were talking to him quite a bit yeah. before he came on. Now, our guest today, Jerry Brainin, we've had him on several times, and we hit it off with Jerry even the first time we had him on the show. I'd had some interaction with him on Facebook and by email beforehand, but you never really know what it's going to be like until you talk to someone live. But we hit it off with Jerry right away, and we always hit it off with him, which is why we were talking to him for about an hour and a half before we started recording today. So it's just a lot of common ground. But we're going to get into some really interesting topics. I'm, I'm a subscriber of Jerry's newsletter, which I encourage everyone to subscribe to. It's only $10. and He has incredible information on there, and I was just going through it, catching up maybe a few weeks ago, and I just started jotting down topics that I thought our listeners would find interesting. So some of the stuff we're going to get into today, we're going to talk about the negatives of hip thrusts. Everyone's doing this hip thrust motion in the gym to the point where when I go to the gym, I don't know if I'm at a gym or a swingers club these days. I just see people (laughs) just thrusting their hips everywhere, and but they're doing it alone. They're not doing it with a partner, so that's really awkward. I go, "You banging a ghost or what are you doing over there?" You know, we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the negatives of marijuana. Marijuana is legal in Nevada and a lot of other places, and there's a lot of pros to it, but there's also some negatives that a lot of people may not be aware of, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of the problems with CrossFit, and then if we still have time, we'll get into Jerry's perspective on fruit intake and fat loss, as well as some of the GH growth hormone releasers out there. Do any of them have any merit? So anyway, without further ado, Jerry, welcome back. Good to see you guys. Good to talk to you again, Mike and uh, and Sincere. It's always good fun to talking back. to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's always fun. It's always, <laughs> it's always good energy. That's why we talk so much. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. One thing I love about the podcast is that it allows – I always like – I like talking to Sincere. So whenever we, whenever we do an episode, that's fun. But it's also cool when we can bring on someone that we both get along with, such as yourself, because yeah. it's like catching up with an old friend. And we're putting True, out great content, but exactly. we also get to catch up with people we enjoy. I mean, we would be talking to each other, even if we weren't recording it, we'd be having a great conversation. But why be a hoarder? Why keep it to ourselves and share these <laughs> right. great conversations with other people? That's what the show is all about. I agree. Exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about hip thrust, Jerry, because, okay. I mean, your your newsletter is worth subscribing to just to read the article you wrote on hip thrust, because not only is it informative, but it's so funny. You had yeah. so many funny analogies in there. So what is, let's talk about why 
what is your perspective on hip thrust? How did this whole okay. thing happen? Well, first of all, I, I just want to underscore what you said. Uh, I remember the first time I saw somebody doing this exercise, and for people that don't know what it is, basically you kind of lie crosswise uh, uh, across a bench, you know, with your hips like thrust for, uh, under, under, your back is lying on the bench, and usually you place like a barbell or a plate or something on your hips and you thrust up. And the first time I saw this, uh, I, I said to myself, what the fuck are they working? What, what muscle is that? <laughs> I mean, I, I, have a good, I have a good knowledge of anatomy and physiology. I really do. And I was trying to, and I, and I said, what the, is it lower back? What the hell are they doing there? And then I, I right. suddenly, I saw, I, I saw one woman, you know, she was wearing these, and I realized she was really squeezing her butt at the top. And suddenly it dawned on me, I said, I said it's a glute exercise. I, and I said, but, you know, it, it, for some reason, I remember looking, it didn't look right to me. And I came across this study in a very obscure journal. I, I tell you the name of I don't even remember. I'd never even heard of this journal. I just happened to come across it. And it was about a 36-year-old guy who was doing this, this, uh, these, these uh, hip thrusts. And he, uh, he, had, he put a 225-pound barbell across his hips. Now, what he did is he depressed a nerve called the femoral cutaneous nerve, and one of his legs kind of went paralyzed. I mean, I, I shouldn't wow. laugh, but wow. I mean, and, you know, and, and you know, they, they, the study authors went on to describe the problem is that he basically he, he did kind of like a nerve-crushing effect. He didn't destroy the nerve, but he depressed it enough. It's kind of like the situation, if you ever go to movie theater, when you're a kid, you're going to drape your leg over the, uh, over the chair in front of you. You depress a nerve in the back of your knee that can, when you, when you first stand up, you'll have trouble walking for a couple of minutes, you know, because you've right. kind of cut off the nerve supply. This is what happens when you put a barbell across your hips. And, you know, and, and then in the article, I also went on to talk about the gluteus muscle in general, and I talked about how, you know, in the early 80s, uh, when, you know, the, the, you have this situation where bodybuilders started to, to appear with striations in their butt. You know, they lift up their trunks, kind of almost make them like one of those, uh, what do they call those things, uh, uh, those bathing suits uh, that I think that string G-string type of thing. The, the, to the, show the their, they, yeah, but, yeah, you know, to show that they have these plus striations. And, you know, yeah. it, 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 the funny thing was that I spoke to, I was writing at the time, and I spoke to some of the guys, and it turned out they didn't really do anything special. They just dieted and trained. That was their genetic, they just had very low body fat. And, you know, the striations came out. And then women started showing that, which is really unusual because that's a very difficult area for women to lose body fat. I'm talking the butt and the upper thigh. And that became right. the standard. I mean, it became to the point where if you didn't have striations in your butt, you were considered fat and smooth. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and, the pro and the problem was that most people cannot get that kind of uh, definition unless their body fat starts to get extremely low. And then they get into right. another health hazard situation where they can actually yeah. – depressed their immune system, and then, then this is the funny part, I don't, uh, unfortunately there was some sort of mistake I made, the picture didn't show up in the article, I had a picture of one of these female bodybuilders bending down away from the audience, kind of, it looked like, a, and they called it the moon pose, where she was basically, <laughs> you know, showing the cuts in her butt, and, and the funny thing is this, you know, you have these kind of like really uh, conservative uh, IFBB officials who were horrified when they saw that because it literally looked like they were mooning the audience, and they actually <laughs> banned that. They, 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 they first they took off points. Anyone who did a moon pose, male or female, they took off points, right? If you're in a body, then they decided to ban it completely, <laughs> where they made it illegal to do that. That that's it was hilarious. Well, they felt you know they felt guilty, Jerry. They felt like they were obligated to throw a twenty at her when they did that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I, I, I remember you know, talking. It is held in Vegas, after all. So you know, every time <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, that's yeah. They, I mean, they should be they should be used to that pose. I mean, I can understand why they would want to ban the men doing it, but the women, yeah. oh, come on, that's taking it a little bit too far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's taking it too far. But and the the thing is, you know, I remember talking to a, a photographer. He he he, uh, he had a, a one of these uh, Flex magazine had this thing where he used to have a, a pull out centerfold like the like the girly magazines, and it was a female <laughs> bodybuilder lying on her side with her back to the camera, and she was naked, and you could see and her her butt was just striated it was ripped to shreds, and I was on a plane with this guy going to the car and I said you know I said I said this woman doesn't even look like a human being, and he looked at me and said that's the way it's supposed to look. 
<laughs> I remember his, you know, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out what he meant by that, but it didn't look like, you know, it was just pure muscle. In other words, it, right. you know, they, she was so cut that you didn't even get a sexual, normally you see a woman from the back naked, if you're his, heterosexual male, you get a little bit yeah. sexually excited, right? This thing right. elicited no sexual response at all. All you could look at was this ripped, shredded muscle. I mean, you didn't even... <laughs> so my point is, the mood pose really wasn't as, let's say, pornographic as these officials tried to portray, because right. the women were, were striated. They were cut. They were just showing the gluteus muscle. You know, yeah, it right. looked more like the chart in anatomy class. It's like, you exactly. Know, it like that, that. That's exactly right. <laughs> but, you know, back, or whatever. but in the article, <laughs> I pointed you know, getting back to this hip thrust thing, I, I, I you know... The, the truth of the matter is, if you do it probably with very light weight, and you don't position the bar exactly across the, let's say, the, the uh, less fleshy part of your hips, you know, it's probably okay to do. But my point is, why would you take the risk of, yeah. you know, causing a n- nerve damage situation when there's so many other exercises that work the glute for crying right. out loud? Squats, leg press, the glute busting machine. <laughs> it doesn't mean why. It doesn't I, I still I mean, you if, know, you, if you feel if you feel dumb doing something, that pretty much tells you all you need to know about the exercise. And that's always yeah, that's and, the way I've always felt about that exercise. I've tried it a few times just because there's a few people in our industry that yeah, are good coaches who use it quite a bit with their programs. But the, anytime I've tried it I came to the same conclusion that you came. Well, just trying to get your shoulders in the feels dance, very man. Awkward. It already feels dangerous. Yeah, it already exactly. feels dangerous. It's yeah, trying exactly. to get your shoulders in the right position. But the problem, Jerry, with all this is with that exercise, it's just the marketing itself. You know, it coming, from certain, right. coming from right. fitness professionals and coming from internet, in, to my Instagram trainers. You know, right. some of these right. female Instagram trainers who basically with these girls have got butt injections, you know, trying yes. to claim that this is what they did to get a, a big right. butt. I'm like, first right. of all, no, that is not how you got a big butt. Because first of all, when they sque- when they get into the when they get into the top position of that exercise and they squeeze their butt, their butts don't even like it doesn't even cave in like no. what should happen if there was muscle right there. You know why? Because yeah. that's a butt implant. Nothing's gonna move right. in that ass. <laughs> Whatever exactly. it does, it's not moving. Okay. Right. So that's the well, problem. So don't let people is- fool you and think like this is what you gotta do to get a, a firm butt. It's like, yeah, first of all, fix your diet. And tomorrow, you ever tried stairs? You know, right. you ever tried that? Or you, hell, you tried just like walking in heels. You know, right. some of the. Well, if we want to talk the, about exercises that work, glute ham raises. You're never going to see a woman who can't yeah. do ten good repetitions on the glute ham raise who doesn't have a great ass hamstrings. The whole. Well, shebang. that's an excellent, and that's a that is an excellent glute. Uh, that, that's what I'm talking about. And you know, the funny thing is, just to underscore what you're saying, like when you, you know, if I accidentally catch the eye. Of whether it's a male or female doing these these uh, these uh, what is it called hip thrust uh, exercises, they always look sheepish. Like when I look at like like you know they'll they'll have this funny look like like I I know I'm doing something stupid, but you know somebody told me to do this. Even though there are no, no words unsaid, they always have you know if you right. catch their eye, they have this funny look on their face, like as if they know they're doing a silly exercise. You know. Well, they're looking they, like I hope he's not watching me. I hope that guy's not, <laughs> I hope he's not I, watching I, me. Do I, I try not to. <laughs> And you know the That's funny why I try thing to is, come work out at three o'clock in the morning, so no one's you know, there to see them doing that. If right. you want to feel like you're banging while you're working out, do kettlebell right. swings. And at least you're getting exactly. There you go. Or just well, bang yeah. someone. How about that? Well, you know, you know, <laughs> if you're gonna do hip thrust, get a woman. Do a hip thrust with your wife or girlfriend. All right. That, you know, you know what the doing. odd part is? The really ironic kind of sad part is, you know, the the, the women, for example, that where you could see their butts sort of, they're wearing like these leotards. Most of them don't even have good glute development. I mean, it, it, you know, you would think it would occur to them, well, how come my glutes don't look good? I'm doing this exercise. It's not doing a damn thing for me. That's uh, the way my mind works. to avoid what works. They always want to avoid what works, which is squats, deadlifts. <laughs> yeah, because like it's hard. Glute ham raises. Yeah, exactly. I mean, deadlifts are hard. Like I was showing some women at the dentist's office I go to. Because I have this program where I say do a, I have a program of daily exercise which revolves around 100 body weight squats. I go, just get in 100 squats every day. It could be four sets of 25, 10 sets of 10. I don't care because you want to build the habit of exercise. Do it seven days a week. Now, I was showing the women at my dentist's office how to do Hindu squats. And the first thing they said is like, oh, that looks hard. (laughs) Yeah. Chances are the exercise is going, it's not going to be easy and be effective. Right. Now, it's easy in terms of application. It's not difficult to do a squat. It's not complex is where I'm going. It's not Olympic lifting. Right. But that's where people's minds go to. A lot of times you see someone doing heavy deadlifts or going, oh, I was like, I don't want it. Like, How do you get a great ass? Do heavy deadlifts. Well, that looks hard. 
It's like, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> life, lady. You know, it's going to be well, hard. You're not going to just get something for nothing. You know? Well, from, right. from what I understand, you guys will have to correct me on this, but from what I understand, this kind of hip thrust thing, wasn't that like developed with this CrossFit stuff? Isn't that one of their exercises that, that's very popular with the CrossFit? Well, there's Actually, one the coach only person that comes, the only person that comes to my mind Contreras. is Brett yeah. Contreras. Yeah, yeah, that's the only person that comes yeah. to my mind whenever I even see this exercise. I'm like, oh, Brett Contreras, because he became he's like the, the, the he calls ass, himself the glute guy. The glute. Yeah, and I yeah, and, yeah, and I like guy. Brett. He's been on the show before. Brett's a good guy. He's a strong coach and so forth. Right. He's really he's really big into the hip thrust, and he's a strong proponent of it. And a yeah. few other people I know that I respect in the fitness industry are as well. For me, it's never been an exercise that just jived with me. I, I never, I never got anything. It was never something that I was. I tried it once or twice with lightweight just to get a feel for it, and it never yeah. motivated me to go further because I always felt there are other exercises that are far more effective without the uncomfortable negatives that you mentioned, Jerry. And I didn't even realize yeah. it could be as destructive as what you talked about. That didn't well, even cross my mind. See, see, I never got the, into it enough. To, well, well, see, that's the way I look at it, Mike. Exactly. In other words, if you had no other choices, if you didn't have effective exercises to work the glute, then I could see the point. But why would you bother doing an exercise that could possibly cause nerve damage especially if you start to use some decent weight on you across your hips, when you have other exercises that are completely safe, that are more effective, and even work the muscle more effectively. And no offense to this guy, Bird. I don't even know the guy. I mean, I'm sure he's, he's, you know, he's very well versed. In, I, I think he calls himself Dr. Glute or something. I'm sure that's his specialty. I'm not trying to, I'm not yeah. trying to get in a debate with the guy, but my, and I'm sure he'd agree with this. There's many other exercises that work the glute, but I think the, the bottom line, the problem is, again, Mike, what you said is that these, the problem is these exercises are harder. They involve, you know, the squats, the leg press, you know, even lunges, they're a little bit harder I mean, to do these exercises. At all, huh? a lot of trainers and a lot. Glute ham race is one that is humbling for a lot of people. There's yeah. a glute ham race machine at the gym I go to. Mm-hmm. I do glute ham races on it. I'm the only person I've ever seen do glute ham races on it. Everyone else uses it as a sit-up apparatus. I, yeah, I see glute that too. Races, I, I, glute ham I, races I, are hard. They're not easy to yeah. do, but they're extremely effective. I tell you what, I mean, if you can't do one glute ham raise and you work up to 15 in a row with just your body weight. Yeah. You're going to see a yeah. profound difference in your hamstrings and glutes. All the ex, all the muscle groups that a lot of women in particular are always trying to improve, right. the glute ham raise, and you're going to feel it the first time you ever try it. Even if you can't do a full rep, if you just do negatives and you yeah. do assisted concentric and then slow negatives, even that is going to make your glutes and hamstrings really sore like no other exercise. Well, that's that's one of the best glute exercises for sure. There's no question about it. But a lot of the gyms, as I pointed out, have these these actual machines that are designed, like they call them glute busters or whatever, to, to yeah, work the glute. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they're not, in, they're not in every gym, but the point is, you know, the, it's kind of like a, a doggy position. You know, you you just right. Pull, you're, you know, and you're you, kicking you're you, kicking one leg back. Yes, exactly. Right, right. But the point is that you know the only way you could hurt yourself there is if you kick back too hard and bring your leg too high, you could probably get a little pinched nerve in your lumbar area. But nobody ever, very few people bring their leg up that high. But the point is it's a, it's a much safer way. If you want to work your glutes, it does isolate the muscle pretty well, and it doesn't involve right. any danger. So why would you do this silly hip thrust thing? When, one leg around it with himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah, that could, you, when you've used that much padding, that gives you an indicator of some of the problems. One-legged deadlifts is another one with kettlebells or dumbbells. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Those are, those are incredible. I yeah, mean, as, incredible. I, as I point in the article, I mean, you, you could like you know put padding under the barbell and wrap a towel around it. That would probably help a little bit. But again, you know, if you're let's say a, a guy, for example. And you, you know, you start to work up in the weight. I think you're still going to depress that, and that that barbell's going to roll a little bit when you when you're right. going upwards, and it's oh, going to it roll right yeah. on that nerve. And you're going to, yeah. you know, one of these days you're going to get up and you're going to find that one of your legs is dead. You know, you're going to be walking like uh, Igor and Frankenstein. You know, dragging your right. leg across the gym. I mean, I, if I don't even if that if that's even a possibility. Why why do an exercise where that's even? That's a my point. Yeah, that's exactly that's <laughs> yeah. my whole point. That's my whole point. In other words, I'm not going to say it's a bad exercise, but it's not the. I wouldn't call it the best it's exercise. <laughs> and you have so many alternatives. Why even bother? In other words, if I'm and let's let's talk, can, what about barbell barbell squats? I mean, the original butt blaster barbell squats yeah. are incredible. Oh my god, the, the your best. ass, your legs. I, I mean, mean come there's, on, there's you, few exercises that are more transformative than a barbell squat. 
There's no doubt about it. I mean, if that doesn't develop your glutes, nothing will. Let's face it. Come on. Just you regular squat, deadlifts you, too, right? Just deadlifts, barbell. Absolutely. You just did, absolutely. You just did deadlifts and squats. If you have respectable numbers on deadlifts and squats, believe me, you're going to have good development in those areas. There's no as well. question about it. No question about it. And, and uh, you know, I mean, again, I, I hate to bring it up, but all those people with the sliced up glutes. They didn't do hip thrusts. So, I mean, they did squats, deadlifts. They did the standard exercise, and they got the ultimate development for crying out loud. I mean, they're shredded. Sprinting as well, you know. Sprinting as well is another great Sprinting, yeah. Well, as I said, you know, I mean. Like, come on, man. I mean, even if you do. I mean, seriously, you guys remember Steve Reeves had this thing what he called power walking, where he kind of like yeah. really flex his legs. He didn't just walk. Yeah. He kind of yeah. thrust right. his legs. He called it power walking. And, and, and yeah. in, in a certain part of that exercise, he was actually flexing his glutes with every step. Even doing that will develop your glutes. Even doing yeah. that will right. develop your glutes. Although Steve Reeves has a body below, I just happened to notice he had no glutes, but you know, that's because he didn't do squats. <laughs> he didn't do squats. That's, why, that's, why he was flexing, that's why he was flexing that ass as much as possible. He's yeah, maybe he, got it as a, maybe he got it as a, maybe that's why he did the power walk. He noticed that he was deficient in butt. Who knows? I don't know, you know, but uh, it does yeah, Believe work. me, if you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't do squats, we all know. We don't have to wonder who's not doing squats, right? right. We also don't right. have to wonder who is doing squats. It's pretty yeah. obvious what's up. We don't, whenever, you're never going to see someone who, who squats, let's say, 500 pounds, and that's a surprise to you. It's like, wow, I didn't yeah. expect that. You, know, you have a yeah. certain level of development. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know old pancake ass over there was squatting 1,000 pounds. It's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, on the subject, one observation I have to make is kind of funny to me. I noticed that, you know, when it gets really warm out here in California, the uh, women in the gym, you know, they wear these leotards. Some of them actually have very well-developed gluteus. I mean, you know, they, they, they're right. very curvy. And yet, you know, even if it's 100 degrees in the gym, they will wear like a sweatshirt or a sweater wrapped around their waist to hide their glutes. And I, I always yeah, wondered that's, about that. That. I, you know, stuff. that doesn't happen in Texas. It's like as soon as there's a, a wisp of warm air, it's like butt cheeks start coming out, whether they squat or not. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the cheeks are out, man. It's like from yeah. from spring all the way into October in Texas, asses are out. It's wow. like they're, they're, they're coming out more. They're coming out more than the latest Hollywood actor these days, man. It's like, wow, wow. really? You should not have just. You shouldn't even worn clothes, girl. Yeah, <laughs> like, really. Somebody, well, I'm, I'm sure like, if they, if they can get, get away with bold. it. Yeah, you see, you see those Daisy Duke shorts where before they used to be just covering the butt cheek. Now they're halfway yeah. down the butt cheek. Well, now you got half an ass taken out. Yeah, old school Daisy Duke shorts now look like jams compared to some yeah. of the shorts these girls wearing. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they look like cargo shorts compared to what, exactly what like. people are wearing right now. Right, that's right. Okay. That's true. <laughs> Well, no, you're not leaving anything to to mystery. Uh, yeah. no. <laughs> making no. sure. Well, let's talk about let's move on to marijuana negatives because that's okay. another hot topic. Mar- well, marijuana is actually legal before, now. In- be, before we talk about it, let me light up a joint to get in the mood. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm already I already I already took some edibles before this episode. <laughs> you know, I, I have. It's, they're, it's, they're, start, they're starting. They're starting to kick in right now. It takes about an yeah, hour. You know, it's, so. <laughs> it's only it's for medicinal purposes only, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would never use. Marijuana no, for recreational not. purposes. Of course not. No, no, we wouldn't do that. You know? No, but you know, actually, you know, from a personal standpoint, I'm not a, I'm not a big drinker. I don't. I'll have a drink every once in a while. For recreational right. purposes, I do enjoy marijuana more than alcohol. And plus, you, right. you don't get the hangover and stuff like. That. It's not something I do all the time, but it, it's, yeah. it's fun here and there. But I, I got to tell you what, reading that article you wrote definitely gave me pause, even on infrequent use. Right. So let's talk about some of some of the negatives that people don't think about when it comes to marijuana usage. Well, you know, the thing is, when you're talking about marijuana, I mean, you know, you, of course, we have this big situation going on now. You know, we're laughing about it, but, you know, they have these, out here, they have these, I, I think in Nevada and California, I, I think yeah. they just made uh, recreational use of marijuana legal, if I remember correctly, here in this state. They just, you know, approved the law. But the thing is, uh, you know, there is a lot of, the stuff about marijuana having some definite medical uses is really true. I mean, uh, right. they, they, and they, they actually realized this years ago, as I pointed in the article, they have what they call cannabinoid receptors in their brain. There's two of them, cannabinoid CB1 and CB2. And, you know, right. these are responsible for all the effects. These are the things that the active ingredient, THC, in uh, uh, marijuana, this, is, this stuff interacts with these cannabinoid receptors. 
But you know, the the best way to describe marijuana is it's like a it's kind of like I hate to use a cliche, but it's a double edged sword. In other words, it's good up to right. the point if you could do it and keep it in check. You know, we more or less. Like you said, you know, you do it just to make you feel good, relax you, whatever. That's okay. But if you know, if you, the more you smoke, it's like anything else. It's like you know, the old dictum: only the dose determines the poison. Once you go past yeah. a certain point, you're getting into negative territory. Now, just to give you one example, now you know, from a bodybuilding perspective, people don't realize marijuana binds to estrogen receptors. So, if you are one of these people that like to smoke a lot of joints or, or whatever all day long. You know, and you have a genetic tendency to, let's say, gynecomastia. I mean, you could not be taking any drugs, any steroids. The marijuana, theoretically, and this they've shown this in a couple of case studies, can actually give you gynecomastia. And it doesn't happen, but you have to, honestly, you'd have to really smoke a lot of marijuana to do that, you know. And then, then, yeah. then they have the aspect of, uh, for example, testosterone. Now, this is the really confusing thing about marijuana, because there was a rat study, an early rat study showed that, uh, I don't know how they gave uh, the rats to, you know, obviously the rats, they didn't give them tiny joints to smoke. <laughs> I guess, I don't know where they injected it. I can't, I don't really know. But I do know yeah. that the study showed that the rats, uh, had 65% uh, less testosterone. Uh, but the ironic part is they didn't care. <laughs> no, that was a joke. They, no, they really did have. They were so high. How much? How much? correlation is there though with rat studies to what happens in humans? Because I think well, a lot of the a, animal that's studies a good are point. flawed. That's, see, that's a very good point. In fact, you know, in fact, in fact, the truth of the matter is, uh, in, my, in my flight metabolics newsletter, I really, really try to avoid writing rat or animal studies. Because you have to understand, rat study, animal study, whatever, they're only preliminary because a lot of what happens in rats, as you just suggested, do not transfer to humans. For example, rats handle right. glycogen differently. They handle protein differently. There's so many differences that they're only – and there's, some, there's a lot of similarities, too. Don't get me wrong. But in a situation like, let's say, marijuana, you know, it could be completely different. And that's kind of proven by the studies in humans because – what happens is, you know, these, these receptors that THC interacts with, the CB receptors, uh, as you, when you, when you, uh, let's say when you first start using marijuana or you smoke it, uh, let's say you smoke a lot of it for about an hour or two, if you were to check yeah. your testosterone afterwards, it would be lower. It would be right. lower. But the, the thing is, it bounces back in a couple of hours, and this is the interesting right. thing. If you smoke marijuana chronically, not, and I'm, talking, I'm not talking about one of these people that lies around all day and smokes one joint, I'm just, you know, a little bit. If you do it chronically, the CB receptors actually become less sensitive, and for some reason, you, it doesn't affect your testosterone after a while. So in other words, the effect on testosterone is only from acute smoking. Only, you know, when you, when you do it right there, then it shuts off for a minute, for a little bit, maybe an hour, a half hour, who knows, and it comes right back. You know, uh, but if you do it a lot, let's say you smoke all day, you will have a depression of, te of testosterone that could last longer. I don't know how long, let's say two weeks. Then suddenly your testosterone, this is humans I'm talking about, it starts to creep back up and come normal again. That's what the new yeah, study normalizes. shows. Yeah. So and you, there was should, you should either do it, you should either do it infrequently or do it all the time then. Right, right, basically. Yeah, that's it. Like it, it yeah, when it does affect right. the cup, it does affect. Yeah, I don't, I don't like being. I don't like being high all the time. So I don't think I would yeah. be one of those people that. I mean, you know, here's the problem I see with. Here's the problem I see with most people I know who do marijuana is they don't do it infrequently like me. Most people I know who do marijuana, I mean, they they consume it like coffee. They have it first thing in the morning, and right. they have it in the afternoon. I mean, they're stoned every day. Most people I know who are really yeah. into marijuana. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, that, you know, the, the, again, it depends on time and dosage. But, you know, marijuana affects a couple other hormones like, you know, prolactin, which is yeah. uh, most associated with, um, uh, let's say, lactation in women. But in men, right. you know, it kind of interferes with testosterone. It's also very closely linked to, uh, uh, what is it called, uh, erectile dysfunction in men, prolactin. Oh, yeah. high, prolactin. Uh, marijuana actually lowers prolactin. <laughs> it lowers it, but it also yeah. lowers growth hormone. So, you know, it's, again, here we go. It's like a double-edged oh, sword, you know, yeah. uh, and, you know, and, and from, from the perspective of, uh, you know, marijuana is most famous. I wrote this in the article. I don't know if you, you heard it yet. I remember back in the 70s when uh, marijuana was extremely popular. I mean, 
we used to call it the munchies. You know, we'd smoke a couple of joints. Yeah. And you'd have this, you'd have this like incredible desire to eat junk foods like ice cream and cookies or whatever. You just could you had to have them. And, you know, nobody could figure it out at the time, but now we know that, you know, marijuana actually, the, again, the THC, it stimulates, uh, these, it involves it with these called endocannabinoid system in the brain. Your brain actually uh. produces chemicals that, that kind of interact with marijuana. They're, they're almost like inter, uh, marijuana, but when you smoke marijuana, you kind of activate these receptors, and these receptors are very, very potent at stimulating appetite. And for that same reason, when scientists realized this, they actually developed drugs, synthetic drugs specifically, to stimulate appetite in, for people that have diseases that are marked by tremendous loss of weight, like cancer, cachexia, where you're losing muscle and right. weight, and AIDS. In other words, they give people this drug, I think what's called dronanabol, I can't remember the name, but this thing was a very potent appetite. I'm not sure if they're still, they have some new versions now that they're giving out. You know, but but uh, that's another problem. I mean, if you're let's say trying to lose body fat, you know, and you and you're uh, smoking a good amount of marijuana, you're going to be stimulating your appetite at the same time. It's going to make it hard to be complete, compliant to the diet. That's another problem with marijuana. Yeah. And, and and of course, then there's the the smoking itself. I mean, you know, I, I, I talked in the book. I mean, in the article about how I have asthma, and I, I was told many years ago that smoking marijuana actually had a bronchodilating effect. You know, it would actually open up my lungs and help me breathe better. So I tried it. (laughs) And what happened was, what I didn't take into account was the irritating effect of the smoke itself. See, when you have have asthma, your bronchial tubes are super sensitive. You know, they're kind of like twitchy. And the, the hot smoke I was breathing in from the marijuana had a reverse effect. It caused me to actually constrict. I would actually have start to wheeze when I'd smoke a joint. But then I discovered an unusual thing, which I also discussed in the article. I tried, you know, those bongs, you know, those water things, the water pipes, right. whatever yeah. they call yeah. uh, yeah. I was yep, at a yep. party once, and, and somebody, I, I, you know, they passed me a joint, and I said, well, I can't really have asthma. I don't want to, like, have an asthma attack. So, so then he says, well, hold on a second, and he brought in a, uh, you know, a bong, and, you know, and he, he said, well, <laughs> smoke it through this. I said, well, are you sure? He says, no, it, it, you'll be okay because it kind of removes the, the edge. I smoked it, and sure enough, I got high, but there was no irritation effect whatsoever. So after that, I, the only time, the only way I was able to smoke was through a water pipe. <laughs> so, <and> the joints <laughs> kind of like messed me up. And I'll tell you a quick funny story. Years ago, I, uh, they, I was looking for a job. And I decided to try out for the, uh, you wouldn't believe this, the, the Beverly Hills Police Department. And the reason I wanted a, there would be a, a cop with them. Eddie Hammond. Uh, no, no, I'll tell you why. Yeah, exactly. I know that's what I think about too, Eddie Murphy. But the, uh, but the thing, the, the reason I wanted was, remember, this is a long time ago. Their starting salary, if you had some, uh, some college, I remember was 40 grand a year. And in those days, that was good money. That was good money. So I took the test, and I, I scored like 100 on the physical, and I, I, I scored very well on all the written tests. And I, I, when I was doing one of the physical tests, I, I, there was a sheriff who was trying out for the, uh, uh, you know, the Beverly uh, Hills Police, too. And he said to me, Jerry, whatever you do, he says, when you, come, when you get to the interview part, see, the last part of uh, trying out for the, to be a cop, they, they, they would interview you, do a personal interview. Three cops would interview. He says, whatever you do, don't lie. I said, what do you mean? He says, don't lie. They'll know. They'll know. Don't lie. And, you know, and like, and he looked so serious, I believed him. So, so sure enough, I, you know, I, I'm like now one of the top candidates, right? So, uh, so I go into the interview room. And, you know, this is the last step. If I pass the interview, I'm a cop, right? I just go through the training, and I'm a cop, you know? So I'm, I'm, there's three cops, you know, sitting across the room, across the desk, and I'm sitting in a chair in front of them. And they interview, everything's going good, you know, and they're all smiling. And then one of the cops just casually says to me, he says, Jerry, did you ever smoke a joint? Did you ever smoke marijuana? I, and I said to him, I've never purchased marijuana in my life, which was the truth. I never have. <laughs> so then he follows up. He says, you, you mean you've never been at a party where, like, they pass around a joint? You just, you know, you take a puff and you pass it on? And I said, yeah, I probably did that. 
two days later, I got a letter saying that uh, I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't the type of person that the Beverly Hills Police wanted on on their uh, department. I failed oh, because I smoked a joint at a party. True story. You know. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the sheriff that told you not to lie is now like the the head of the ATF. So yeah, he probably is because, <laughs> because, he, because he's practiced that one day. He's like, oh, I'm good at this. I can make people confess. You know that you know you, you know the, you know what in retrospect though. In retrospect, the truth is, I couldn't have been a cop. I just don't have the personality. It's not my thing. Right. I've never. Yeah, I was going to say it. That was probably a blessing in disguise. There. It was a blessing. Right. I've never been. I've always done very badly in militaristic type organizations. As a yeah. kid, I was thrown yeah. out of the Cub Scouts. I was thrown out of the Boy Scouts. <laughs> I was suspended. You're not in good at following authority there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have. I, I always had an authority problem, and, and you know, you, it's not like I'm some crazy guy. The truth is, when I analyze it, I, I, I felt that I could only respect, uh, you know, respect an authority that I literally had respect for. In other words, a lot of the people giving orders, I considered jerks. So right. I just didn't listen to them. You know, then that's the reason why I had this authority problem. See, if somebody yeah. respected or I respected told me to do something, I would do it. But if it was coming from a moron, I would just laugh it off. That's the way I was. And that got me into a lot of trouble when I was a kid. You know, but, uh, you know, yeah. that's just a little funny story there about marijuana. But, you know, marijuana, as I point out in the article, getting back to this, is it's a little bit of a problem with endurance exercise because the studies yeah. showed that it tends to negatively affect if you're, let's say, uh, you're in a, a, a long distance runner, you're heavily involved in endurance, or you're one of those people that likes to do an hour or more of endurance in the uh, gym, I mean, uh, aerobics in the gym, you might get a little bit of a, a bronchoconstriction. Towards the middle of your workout, if you smoke, let's say, a couple of joints or, or you know, maybe, or the strongest stuff. You know, I pointed out in the article there's different grades of marijuana. Some of them are stronger than others. Yeah. I remember back in the 70s, Sensami, I think it was called. Uh, oh, no, no, it was the, uh, oh, God, what was it called? The stuff oh, I can't remember. Like huh? There was like, the um, stuff that it looked like tar. Yeah. Oh man, it's like it's like all the stuff you would hear like in almost every reggae record. It's like it's pretty much like you were doing your shopping back then. That was your Amazon back in the day. Yeah. Like, when you said since we said since me, I was like, whoa! You went back to like seventies reggae records. Oh yeah. <laughs> people were like people would like yeah. to start taking trips to Jamaica just to get that stuff. No, know? but there was there was one type of marijuana. I can't. It was I said like I said it was very unusual. It was almost like a tar stuff. But I remember this stuff was so potent it actually had hallucinogenic effects. I mean, you would actually almost, almost, almost like LSD. You'd go into this weird. Well, thing the uh, the edibles have that effect because of some enzyme it interacts with in your gut. That's always yeah. been my experience with edibles: is that it has a hallucinogenic type effect. Yeah. And also, what I don't like about edibles is it's it's hard to know what you're getting because it right. it takes a while for your body to absorb it. So you may take an edible and you don't really feel anything for a while, and then it's. And then it comes on very mild, and you're like, okay, this is not bad. This is nice and mild. Right. And then it starts intensifying. And when it starts intensifying, <laughs> it hits you really hard. And then yeah. it takes a long time to work its way out of your system. So yeah. it's a much longer experience. And it can have that hallucination. And I've done LSD, too, as a kid, so I can compare yeah. the two. And it's not, it's not quite as severe as that, but it's in that right. ballpark. Right. So right. That's, one thing I do like about the legalization of it, though, because I, I went to a dispensary recently, and... Yeah. One thing I do like is the fact that you can walk in there and you can actually have a conversation with someone in the know. They can tell you, what are you looking for? What kind of experience do you prefer? Are you looking mm -hmm. for something to help you sleep at night? Are you looking for something to relax you? Here's something to yeah. take during the day if you want to be more active. You can actually ask intelligent questions and get intelligent right. responses and be yeah. guided. So you, at least you have some. Uh, right. Otherwise, where when people are doing it illegally, you're getting it from someone and it's, it's going to be different every yeah. time. You don't really know what yeah, you're getting kinda... that person's. Well, it's almost comparable to the black market steroids. I did a video about that. Right, right, very similar. Yeah, I pointed out that the biggest problem with black market steroids is that you really can't guarantee that you're getting quality stuff. I mean, I point out a couple of studies where they've seized or they've gotten a hold of a bunch of counterfeit steroids, for example, and a lot of them yeah. were mislabeled or they were, didn't have, one didn't have the drug in it that it was supposed to have or some of them had no drug in it at all. I mean, you know, and, and if you look at the sites that are selling these black market steroids, there's no yeah. names listed. There's, they, they work out of P.O. boxes or something. I mean, if they you could, be, junk, you could be injecting olive oil into your system. And when you know, you're injecting guy, something into your body, it better be legit. Hey, I, I wrote about it. Uh, I mentioned an Australian, 33-year-old Australian bodybuilder. He bought steroids off the Internet. This was written up in a medical journal. 
And it turned out it was uh, 33% arsenic. And he died. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, he was 33 years old. It, it was largely arsenic that he died. Yeah, yeah. It wow. actually killed him. I mean, wow. you know, that to me, when I, I mean, the way my mind works, reading something like that, I would never even consider buying black market steroids. If I use steroids, I'd have to get it pharmaceutical grade from a pharmacy where I know it's the real. Right. I never, never even could. You got, I mean, hey, look, to each his own. I know a lot of these guys are so desperate to use steroids, the doctors won't prescribe it, so they turn to the internet. But you know, you know, it's like the old cliche. You, you know, you pay, you buys your ticket, you takes your chances. So you know. Yeah. I hope I hope they're okay, but you know I I personally think they're crazy. It's the same with some of these drugs. I mean, these dispensaries. I mean, if they can assure you that it's pure marijuana and it's not mixed with you know weed killer or anything like that, I would say that's that's a definite benefit than buying it off some like they used to do off some drug dealer, where it could be cut with anything. Who knows what did they throw in there? You know, right? And it's right. better to do it that way. At least you you're not going to die. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's also it's also a great revenue source for a city or state. I yeah. mean, Las Vegas made six million dollars in taxes in the first weekend that yeah. recreational marijuana was legalized. In fact, there's such a high demand now that there's a shortage, and it's only been right. legal recreationally for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I always well, say, if Vegas made prostitution and marijuana legal, this city would never be in a deficit ever. Yeah. Well, I don't right see now why prostitution. Yeah, and I don't have a, you know, I'm not, prostitution is not something that I find appealing, but I don't have a moral problem with it either. So if someone yeah. else wants to go do that, and it's, 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 if it's a transaction between two consenting adults, you know, that's their business. Now, right now in Nevada, you, you, it's legal in some parts, such as Pahrump, which is about an hour drive from here. But a lot of people aren't going to do that just because it's an hour drive. Now, some yeah. people will say, oh, that's a good thing. I don't want people doing that. It's like, okay, fine. Yeah. Take your moralistic philosophies out of the equation. Yeah. If it were legal, let's say in Las Vegas, where let's say it's on Strip Club Boulevard in Las Vegas, where all the strip clubs are on Industrial Boulevard, you could create what's in Pahrump there. Because I'll tell you what, people are people are seeking out prostitutes in Vegas left and right anyway. It's not sure. like it's not happening. If you yeah. go to the Cosmopolitan Casino around midnight on any given night, it's 90% of the women at the bar hanging out, usually by wow. themselves. Are prostitutes. You go to any yeah. casino in Las Vegas late at night, you're going to be propositioned. It happens all the time. So it's already happening anyway. Now, it's not safe for anyone involved. It's not safe for the guy taking the woman back to his hotel room. You don't know who this woman is or what is right. going to happen. She could drug your drink. It could be a setup where right. someone comes blasting through the door. It's yeah. not safe for the woman either because you don't know who you're going to this yeah. room with. This guy could be a serial yeah. killer. He could be an abusive right. person. Who knows what's going on, right? Yeah. And most of the time, people aren't going to report it on either side. If a guy gets screwed over, is he really going to call the police and say, hey, I just yeah. hired a prostitute and she robbed me? You know? And if yeah. a woman who's prostituting herself out gets abused, is she going to report that to the police? So right now, if you regulate it, it'll be a lot safer. A lot. But a lot more people do it, possibly. But a lot of people, are the, the, I think it's generally going to be the same people that are doing it anyway. Yeah, and also from a medical perspective, I know that the uh, the legalized prostitutes they undergo regular medical exams to make sure they don't have many right. venereal diseases. Exactly, that's, that's another, another aspect. Point. If you yeah. pick up some hooker, you don't know who 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 she been with. Who's the five guys before you? I mean, you don't know whether they, right. they gave her something that you can get that's transmittable. But I, I got to sure. tell you a quick funny story, uh, real real quick. When I was 18, I think it was the first time I went to Vegas. I was in one of those casinos and I was walking around. And I went with my, my friend and his father, I remember, and I was near a bar, and this absolutely gorgeous woman comes up to me. She looked like a showgirl, tall, I remember, movie <laughs> star looks. And she comes up and says, hey, hey, uh, hey, hey, hey uh, what'd you say? I don't know whether she called me kid. She said, hey, uh, hey, how you doing? I said, oh, I'm, I'm doing great. I was a little shy in those days. I was kind of like tripping over my words, and I couldn't believe a woman this good looking was talking <laughs> to me, you know? Yeah. And she said, she said, do you feel like having some fun? I said, uh, I said, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> my God, this movie star looks is picking me up. I can't believe it. You know, I was so naive, right? So she says, yeah. uh, I start to walk to the elevator with her, and she says, she's taller than me. She's like six one, but she's gorgeous, you know. And uh, and she says, you know, I'm a working girl. 
So I, so, so I look at her and I say, like, oh, yeah, where you work at? <laughs> I said, that's a true story. I said, that's terrific. It's nice to hear that you're employed. And she starts laughing. <laughs> you know, and I, I still didn't catch on. I, I was so freaking naive. Then she says, right before we got in the elevator, she says, well, you know, I, 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 have, I do sex for money. I said, well, I only got like two bucks on me. She says, so she, she presses the elevator. Give me back on the elevator. That's what it is. No, no. She, she walks out of the elevator and doesn't even say anything. Nothing. She just walks away. You know, I didn't even say goodbye. Well, I mean, she didn't. She didn't do very good reconnaissance, man. You know, she should have no, found out was a boy before I was an Especially a young young guy, totally oblivious. I mean, she's not yeah. much of a pro. She couldn't read that situation. No, but I remember feeling so stupid afterwards. I mean, I I, I believe it or not, that was the first time I ever encountered a prostitute. And it didn't even hit me. I thought, I, and I'm thinking, but I should have realized that. Why would this, you know? I mean, uh, all right, if I'm a rich, famous guy, I, I understand. But I was like nobody, yeah. and this gorgeous woman is coming. I look like right out of Playboy is coming on to me. Right. I should have caught on right away. You know, That's I mean, I always I, tell guys I did. in Vegas. Sometimes I'm walking around in similar situations. Someone like that will look me dead in the eye and have a big smile on her face and start coming <laughs> towards me. And I don't, I don't have any delusion. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, maybe maybe she listens to the podcast. <laughs> right, right. She, oh, maybe I, she has maybe she, maybe she's in the kettlebell. She has one of my videos. She just recognized yeah. me. <laughs> she wants to yeah. She wants to get maybe she's gonna ask you about a little bit of uh, personal kettlebell training or something. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, she used to get me with my hips thrust, please. <laughs> yeah. But you know that that's that. But anyway, so what do you want? Yeah, you that kind of on? stuff is. That's kind of yeah. stuff that's a common occurrence. Yeah, let's talk about fruit intake and fat loss because that's another hot topic. Yeah. We live in this bizarro land now, Jerry, where people think they're going to get fat if they eat blueberries. Uh, yeah. So that's like, a, oh, man. Right. Let me tell you, Mike, that's a personal peeve of mine. I mean, I get so annoyed. I oh I, I, uh, I actually was motivated to write that article on fruit and fat loss into my new Well, these, these same people put a stick of butter in their coffee, but they're afraid <laughs> to eat a banana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you believe that? I mean, hypocrisy to the nth degree, right? But the thing they're is, like, oh, the fat, they're like, fat doesn't make you, they're like, fat doesn't make you fat. No, fat doesn't it's, make you it's fat. It's all the carbohydrates that make you there fat, you go. that whole lot of thinking. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, you go on all these sites, and some of these guys are very well-known personal trainers and, and so-called experts, and they're all telling people, if you want to lose weight, you have to cut all fruit out of your diet. You've got to cut it out. It's terrible. It's got loaded with fructose. It makes you fat. It's like eating candy. But that's such utter garbage. <laughs> And I, and I saw Absolutely. one one day, and I said, Mike, and I, right then and there, I said, I'm going to write an article telling the truth about this, about fruit intake and fat loss, and it's completely bullshit. For, let's just take one aspect. Like, the, the, biggest, the biggest chief complaint against fruit is the fructose content. Now, if people would right. look at the actual fructose content of most fruits, it's 6 to 8% and sometimes even lower. And, and not only that, but there's something that a lot of people don't even think about. That Well, this isn't well known, but when you're eating a whole fruit, you have that soluble fiber, for example, pectin. Pectin uh -huh. interacts with the fructose. Now, you guys know fructose is a, mono a monosaccharide, monosaccharide. In other words, it's a simple sugar, but because of its structure, the way it's broken down, you know, the enzymes in the liver, it doesn't hit you like other simple sugars. It's a delayed effect. In other words, when you ate right. fructose, it eventually, every sugar you eat becomes glucose. That's the only sugar in the blood. But with fructose, it's delayed. Now, here's the point. When you eat fruit, the fiber, the soluble fiber in the fruit actually interacts with the fructose, the small, let's say, 6% fructose content, and it slows it down even further. As a consequence, if you draw a line under it, you'd have to eat a, a truckload of fruit to get fat. And, and, and then look at the caloric density, Mike. Look at the look at the amount of calories. Let's say in an apple or or, or uh, any any type of. They don't even have that many calories. They, they, they're almost all very low in fat. I think avocado is the only one that really has any kind of fat. It's monounsaturated fat. I mean, there's no caloric density. You know, and and, and then as I talked about in the article, there's things that aren't considered. For example, there's elements in fruit under the general term of polyphenols. Uh, or, or uh, phytochemicals, phyto, P-H-Y-T-O, refers to plant-based chemicals, and some of these things actually deactivate fat-synthesizing enzymes. I mean, people yeah. don't know this. It actually makes it harder to get fat. And there's still another aspect is that they, they found that some of these polyphenols, 
stimulate this kind of intestinal polypeptide called glucagon-like peptide 1, which actually suppresses your appetite and makes you eat less. In fact, some diabetic drugs that are available, they're giving to diabetics now, uh, are, are actually synthetic versions of GLP-1 because mm. it causes them, you know, to, it actually lowers their blood glucose pretty effectively. So, you know, for, uh, some, like I say, some of these polyphenols activate this. And still another reason why the fruit is very, very difficult to get fat eating fruit is because of one of my favorite topics, which I find completely fascinating. I don't know if you guys looked into this microbiome. There's all this research being done on yeah. the intestinal yeah. bacteria. It's incredible. In fact, Mike, I, I got to tell you, I make admission. I've been meaning to do an article about this microbiome, but I, I've already collected. It's like a foot high. I, I mean, I'm, it would take well, me actually, like, Jerry, on that topic, I'm going to send you a, a website of this company that just came out with a bacteria type product that. They claim increases testosterone quite a oh, bit. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've come across this through maybe Ergolog.com or one of these other websites, but I wanted to get your perspective on it. They're actually okay. going to send me some of their product to try out, but it looked really interesting. I'll send I I'll send you over I the do, website link. And, I do vaguely remember reading a, a one. I think it was one or two yeah. studies where it actually did right. find a me particular too. bacteria did seem to increase. I mean, these things, this intestinal bacteria, the, the range of what they do in the body is mind-boggling. Yeah. I mean, so 99% of your immune uh, reactivity is based on your microbiome. And right. relating to fruit, you know, there's a balance of bacteria in there. You know, uh, the general, uh, one of them is called bacteria diets, I think it's called. The other one's called firmicutes. And, you know, the, the firmicutes, if you have a, an abundance of that, you, you basically, the, <laughs> it's amazing, the bacteria cause you to convert, let's say, carbohydrate and fat into body fat more readily. If you have the other mm. one, what they call the bacteria diets, I think it's called, it's a reverse effect. In other words, you, oh. have, a, you have a decreased ability to absorb, let's say, simple sugars and, and, and excess dietary fat, so you have a far less chance of gaining body fat. It's amazing when you think about it. And fruit, you know, the, the fiber in fruit is basically a probiotic, and the intestinal bacteria, they love this stuff, fruit and vegetables. This is their food. This is their food. The, the, one of the biggest dangers of, of ketogenic diets, and I, I've written this, is that when you eliminate all these fruits and vegetables, you're basically causing what they call dysbiosis, which is an imbalance mm. in the microbiome, which is going to make you sick if you continue. It's not the actual lack of carbs. It's the lack of fiber to feed your microbiome, it's going to it's going to cause all your immune system is going to go down. All kinds of bad things are going to happen. You can even get cardiovascular disease. And there's these, and then you got these short chain fatty acids. But, butyrate one is uh, one of the main ones. I just came across a study that just blew my mind. This butyrate, which is a short chain fatty acid produced by the intestinal bacteria, it travels in your blood, in your brain, in the brain. I mean, it's mind boggling. It actually removes. Yeah. The proteins like beta amyloid and tau, it prevents them from building. These are the things that cause Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. It actually prevents the buildup and helps to remove them. I, I, my jaw dropped when I looked at this. I said, mm. holy Toledo. I mean, you know, it's amazing. I, I, I've been very conscientious about this. Ever since I've read this research, I had the kind of a blasé attitude for a long But when I started to read the research, I said, man, forget it. And like I said, getting back to fruit, fruit basically feeds the microbiome, whole fruits. I'm not a big fan of fruit juice, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, mean, I think fruit juice is a problem. But with, yeah. are there any whole fruits that are more beneficial than others, such as blueberries, strawberries? Exactly. Does it matter? Well, I'll tell you, the healthiest fruits, I can tell you right now, blueberries are incredible. They're almost as fine yeah, as possible. I mean, if you look at the yeah. research, I remember reading, so, all right, it was a rat study, but still, I mean, you're taking into account what I said earlier about rat animal study, but this rat study showed when they gave rats blueberry extract, what happened to these rats, the, the uh, motor part of their brain, I, I must have been the cerebellum, it, uh, they gave rats the equivalent of humans age 65, about 60, 65 years old. They gave them blueberry extract for a couple of weeks, and it, it kind of reversed the aging, the motor center of the brain. It reversed it back to the equivalent of teenage rats. 
So this would be taking like a 65-year-old human and, and kind of reverting their, let's say, motor learning system, which is the thing that controls your muscles and your movement, reverting it back to when you were 19 years old. Blueberries can do that. Blueberries have, an, the, the anthrocyanins, it's called, these polyphenols, they have yeah. this amazing yeah. rejuvenation effect in the brain. I mean, it, it, they actually increase mental clarity and intelligence. You've got to be crazy not to eat blueberries if you're over 40. That's a flat statement. Blueberries plus, uh, are so plus healthy. Plus, they're, they're delicious, too. All these different... I love mangoes, blueberries, strawberries, blackberries, Absolutely. and all the fruits are delicious. And let, me, and let me tell you something. Some people wonder, Mike, what about, what's, what about fresh versus frozen? Believe it or not, frozen blueberries, in many cases, actually have more nutrients than the fresh blueberries because oh, a lot good. of times I use fresh those every day so that's good to know yeah, same, same <laughs> right here. yeah and the, yeah. The, the fresh blueberries you have to understand they've been transferred around they might be sitting in a right. supermarket for a while you know each day right. the, the antioxidant content dissipates day by day so right. you know depending on how long you know they've been there they can have far less nutrients than fro- the frozen the nutrients are, are locked in so maybe so the, maybe if you don't get it from a farmer's market or something like that you're better off with frozen you know, exactly if you get it from a farmer's market where it's yeah. really fresh fine that's great but you know you, the other places you really can't tell how long they've been you know since they were harvested right. then you got grapefruit right. You know, grapefruits. Are, I don't. Do you eat grapefruit, Mike? I don't know if you eat that. I do. I don't have it. I don't have it all the time. It's something I enjoy for breakfast. That when I when we're staying at a hotel or something like that. Right. But I, it's not something I have at home very often. Well, I don't know if you know, grapefruit. You ever hear the? It's an old fad diet. You ever hear of the grapefruit diet? Did you ever hear of that? Yeah. yeah. It's an old sure. diet back in the yeah. '60s where they used to yeah. tell people if you eat a grapefruit a day. It'll help you lose body fat. And all the MDs laughed at that, and they wrote it off as a total fad. And guess what? <laughs> you know, it's ironic how science works. It's, it's almost like, uh, you know, it reminds me of Arthur Jones' autobiography. The title was, And God Laughs, because it's the yeah. way, things, the way yeah. things turn out, because it turns out that grapefruit, there, there are elements in grapefruit that actually do help you lose weight. Just to give you mm. one example, there's a, uh, there's a, I guess it's a polyfa- uh, fla- uh, polyphenol called naringenin. It's called naringenin. Yeah. Have you ever heard of this? Naringenin. Yeah, sure. Now get this. It, uh, you know how coffee helps you mobilize fat. You know, it's everybody. That's not. That's pretty well known. I mean, you know, it helps you right. spare glycogen and mobilize body fat. That's pretty well known. In fact, they just came out with a study. I'll just throw it in real fast. They just came out with a study about a month ago. They used to think that if you drank coffee regularly, you would lose that effect of fat mobilization. In other words, it wouldn't work after a while. Now they know it's not true. Even habitual coffee drinkers still have a greater ability to mobilize fat. But it turns out this naringenin stuff in grapefruit extends the activity of caffeine. In other words, it makes it last longer. And get this, mm. <laughs> i just throw this in. I mean, I don't want to encourage anyone to do this. But naringenin also, if you take it with oral anabolic steroids, it actually prevents the premature breakdown of oral steroids. It makes them last longer before they're wow. broken down in the liver. <laughs> I mean, this isn't great. I wonder, I wonder if it does that with just regular supplements, such as herbal supplements. It does. It actually does. Okay, I, I don't remember which ones things. offhand, okay. but it extends yeah. the, the effect because it, 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 it actually inhibits. You know how the liver has certain enzymes that break down various drugs and substances? It inhibits certain right. enzymes in the liver that metabolize some of these things very rapidly. It slows it down, not to the point where you get an overdose situation, but enough where you get like an extended action. My biggest question, which I can never understand, is why they never came out with a naringenin supplement. I mean, you know, if you gave this, yeah, like, I, th- I, why thought there were, I thought there were a supplement. I thought there were. I don't understand those. If, you, if you're, let's say, you're selling a fat uh, uh, loss supplement and you have caffeine yeah. as one, why wouldn't you include naringin and you would make that supplement like four times better? I don't. But, wasn't but I got wasn't that? Part, I could have sworn there were some supplements that did that at some point. I, 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 you might be right. I think I did see I'll one. I'll look two, into it. Yeah, I could have sworn there were fat burners maybe nope. in early two thousand. The only the only thing I heard is that naringenin, genuine naringenin, is very expensive. That's the only thing I heard. Okay. And the reason they don't put That's a lot of product what, is because it yeah. would be cost-prohibitive. In other words, people wouldn't buy it. It would be so expensive. So that's why right. they don't put it, you know. But, and now they're just going to start putting grapefruit in their coffee, you know, and replace it. Yeah, exactly. I was that's about to say, happen. that's what's going to happen. <laughs> no, but <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, 
No, it, it's, a, it's a terrific combination. I'm sure, that'll taste great. good. If, yeah, if you eat, well, you have to put it in the coffee, but... Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Eat it separately. Yeah, eat it separately. You don't have to put everything in your coffee, folks. No, Some on the other day were making fun of. Yeah, we're making fun of people that have to put things in their coffee to make them feel Yeah, and while you're at it, you have to put it in your... Well, it's like people saying, oh, I love this coffee that has nootropics in it. I go, why do you have to have nootropics in your coffee? Just get a yeah. cup of coffee and take some nootropic pills with your well, coffee. It doesn't have to be well, actually blended like, in your coffee. Yeah, caffeine itself is a nootropic. Be sure to catch part two of this knowledge-filled chat with Jerry Branham on the next LLA podcast. And for more information, make sure you check out MikeMahler.com as well as NewWarriorTraining.com. And there you go. Catch you on the next episode, folks. Take care.